Father, thank you for your word, which is a light and which is life and wisdom and truth for us. Your word is truth, God, and we pray that's how we receive it today. Lord, we pray by the Holy Spirit you'll empower us to receive the implanted word in our hearts and that we'll grow. Lord, for your kingdom, for your glory, for your son Jesus, in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're starting a new series called True Grace, and we'll be covering the whole book of 1 Peter in this series. And it's not a coincidence that our series is True Grace and our book is 1 Peter. True Grace is actually the subject of the whole book of 1 Peter. And we know that from 1 Peter 5.12, where Peter actually reveals the purpose of his letter. He says in 1 Peter 5.12, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. He's talking about the book of 1 Peter that he just wrote. And so the purpose of 1 Peter is knowing what true grace is. As we go through the book, we'll see different expressions of true grace. So it's true grace, and then chapter 1 is true faith. So true grace, true faith. Chapter 2 is true life. True grace, true life. Chapter 3 is true family. Chapter 4 is true grit. Um, it's about suffering, but the point is that the grace of God empowers us to walk through that and not be set back by it. And then uh, chapter 5 is true leaders. And all these things are expressions or manifestations of true grace. It's easy to read this book like a long list of do's and don'ts. And it's really, I mean, there are a lot of epistles in the New Testament that you can read them that way if you choose to do so, but that is not actually how God wants us to read them, okay? So you can read this and and, kind of have a a perspective in your heart as you're reading of like, well, thanks God for telling me what I'm supposed to do. Now I'll just go do it. And that's the way I used to read it. It's got a bunch of stuff to do, so I'd go, okay, thanks God. I really needed that information about what I'm supposed to do. Now I'll go do it. Only problem is, There's a little breakdown between the information and actually doing it. Somewhere in between there, I seem to always wind up on the rocks and not not get it done. I don't know if anybody but me has ever experienced that. Um, But actually, that's not how Christian life is supposed to work. And that is why the focus on grace is so crucial. You actually can't do any of this stuff apart from grace. You really can't. And, And grace is not automatic. So when I say you can't do it apart from grace... It's not like you just wind up with this big batch of grace and now you can go do it. We need to be intentional about embracing God's grace or we'll miss it. Did you know you can miss God's grace? Where do I get that? Uh, Hebrews 12, 15 says this. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. Whoa, you mean you can miss it? Yeah, it says right there that we're supposed to be paying attention to each other. You know, we keep saying teamwork makes the dream work. Part of teamwork is having each other's back helping each other out. Any one of us can be struggling, wrestling, having a hard time. And we can notice, oh man, dude, you're missing the grace of God. Let me, let me pray with you. That's no, that, that, we're going to be talking about this this morning. It, it, it's not like that's some kind of uh, uh, big shameful thing. Because part of God's grace is he's taken our shame away. We're all on level ground at the foot of the cross. There's no, nothing to look down on anyone else or look down on myself. Jesus already died. And guess what? We needed that. 
And so that's the facts on the ground right here where we stand. We needed Jesus to die. So we're not, we're not wrestling with that fact. That's the truth. We needed Jesus to die. And so everything else just kind of flows out of the truth that Jesus needed to die for me. A lot of the things that I wrestled with as a young Christian, as a young believer, were just unnecessary for me to even wrestle with at all. If I would just look at the cross of Jesus and understand the implications of what that says about me. If you will look at the cross of Jesus and just let that hit your heart, what does that say about you? What is God saying by giving his son? He's saying a lot of really good stuff. He's saying one really bad thing about you, and then everything else is good. (laughs) Right? There's one bad thing that I, I, I had to die. That's the bad thing. I, there wasn't any way to, to reform me. If there was a way to reform me, God would not have killed his son to fix my problem. Do you, you know that? He would not have killed his son if I could just embark on a really carefully designed self-improvement program. A self-improvement program does not require the son of God to die. Does this make sense? So I don't know why I was wrestling with it. I don't know why I felt like I needed to validate myself. But I did. I really felt like I needed to, like, show God I could do something. Well, I mean, Jesus had to die. That's kind of proof right there that that I'm not really in a position to do something. I used to think that God wanted stuff from me. If God wanted stuff from me, why would he kill his son? I needed stuff from God. Does this make sense? This is, this is what we're talking about. Um, I want to start by saying that the subject of this series and this, to- this topic of this series, True Grace, is incredibly important. It's crucial to your faith and to your life in God. I mean, Peter was the chief apostle of the 12 apostles, and he only wrote two books of the Bible... And one of those two books, the whole thing is devoted to painting a picture of what true grace looks like. So just from that alone, we can see that God thinks it's important for us to know what true grace looks like. Right? And doesn't it also stand to reason that God seems to think we might not know this stuff yet? I mean, God directed the chief apostle to write a whole book on this topic. That implies there's stuff in 1 Peter we're not clear on. Maybe we need to be taught about it. Not only is it really important, but we might not actually know this stuff yet. Make sense? Grace matters because everything of value in God's kingdom only happens by grace through faith. Everything of value in God's kingdom only happens by grace through faith. I used to get confused about grace as a new believer. I had a rocky start, even though I had a glorious start. God gloriously saved me, but um, I do like to prove things in my flesh, and that's where I went off track. Um, so I used to get confused about grace as a new believer. I think one of the reasons for that is a, a lot of people, including even preachers, talk about grace like all it is is mercy. There's a lot of confusion about what grace even is. That's why uh, people will say things like, um, oh, too much grace. 
too, too much grace. How could there possibly be too much grace? You, there, you can never get more grace than you need. I can never get more grace than I need. But people who don't understand what grace is will sometimes say that. We're talking about true grace. Well, there's a such thing as false grace. And you can get too much false grace. In fact, any false grace is too much false grace. Okay? So there's a, there's a, they're, they're latching onto something, but it's a misunderstanding even of what grace is. If you're, if you're thinking that the thing that they're giving you too much of is actual real grace, then you're not really understanding what grace even is. Okay? So, so it is impossible to get too much grace. It's imp- the, the people who say that think that grace, if you get too much grace, it'll make you sin more. Because they think it's about, like, just all about getting you off the hook when you do something wrong. And so you can't get people off the hook too much. If you let them off the hook too much, then they'll just, they won't ever do anything right. They'll just, like, go off and just do bad stuff all the time. You're just, so you're just, like, pandering to them. Okay, but that's not true grace. That's, that's fake grace. That, it, that is a thing that happens, and it's a bad thing, and we don't want to go that direction, but that's not true grace. The other thing that a lot of people get mixed up about in grace is that I don't have anything to do with grace. It's like, well, grace is from God. It's not from me. Therefore, it's, it's 100% God. It's 0% me, and therefore, I don't have anything to do with grace. I can't really influence grace at all. It's just whatever God chooses to give me, that's what I get. So I'm just passively sitting here, and whatever grace hits me, that's awesome. But if it doesn't hit me, it's just because God didn't choose to get me, and I have nothing to do with that. And that's not true either, because you can miss the grace of God. I think God's throwing a lot of grace at people, and people like dodging it. (laughs) Because, see, I want to prove myself. And sometimes I dodge the grace because I'm like, well, if I just let that hit me full on, it's like then I have nothing to do with the, the power and the glory. And so I can't take any credit at all. And how can I validate myself if I can't take any credit for anything? Make sense? Okay, so we don't really, we want to reject those two ideas. They're, they're wrong. The, the idea that grace is, is the same thing as mercy. No, it's not. The idea that grace is the same thing as just getting you off the hook. No, that's not what it is. And also the idea that I have nothing to do with grace. There is an interaction with grace that I, yes, God is the 100% source, but I have an interaction with grace. We're going to talk about that today. Um, so <clears throat> um, I used to get confused because this idea that grace is mercy, but the Bible talks about like it's a lot more than mercy. And so um, I had that idea, grace is mainly about mercy, and then I would read the Bible, and it seems to be talking about so much more than mercy, and I'd get confused. The reason we get confused is because we don't believe what the Bible is talking because we already have an idea, of, we think we already know what it is, and then the Bible says something different from what we already think, and then we're confused. See, my, a lot of my confusion is, is me reacting to the fact that the Bible says something different from what I expected. And rather than just going, oh, I was wrong, that's the truth about it, I'll wrestle with it and go, I don't understand this. It's not what I think. 
Well, duh. There's a lot of, I got a lot of wrong ideas. That's why the, the, the Bible is here to, uh, to renew my mind, transform me. What does transformation mean? It means something needs to change, and it's not this, it's me. I, this is supposed to wash over me and change me. Okay? And grace, the whole topic of grace, is, is just a huge area where that needs to happen in my life and in your life. Um, one of the most common definitions of grace is grace is the unmerited favor of God. Who's ever heard grace described as the unmerited favor of God? That's so, so uh, prevalent, and it's absolutely true, but grace is so much more than that. Even though that is a true, it's not really a definition. It's a partial description. If I say an elephant has a trunk, I just told you one of the attributes of an elephant, but I didn't define an elephant. I just said an elephant has a trunk. If you say grace is the unmerited favor of God, you just described one of the attributes of grace, but you didn't define it because there's so much more to grace than just unmerited favor of God. Um, another, uh, another definition that I like because it's, it's kind of instructive, it's, it's an acronym, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E. So that's great. That's, a, that's a informative. It's a good thing to know about God's grace. But a, another definition that I think is getting a lot closer to the essence of what grace really is, is, is this one. Grace is both the desire and the power to do God's will, which is given to you supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. Grace is both the desire and the power to do God's will that is given to you supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. That's a free gift that you you don't qualify for, you don't earn, you don't do anything to get this other than be willing to humble yourself. Because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That, That verse is... I think three times in the New Testament, one of the places where it appears in the New Testament is in the book of 1 Peter. Another one's James. So so you can miss the grace of God. What's another thing you can do? You can position yourself to receive more grace. Because if you humble yourself, the Bible says God will give you more grace. So you see that it's not something that just passively happens to you. It's something that you interact with. Okay? So there, there's a lot of really cool stuff about grace in the Bible. If you, if you let your mind be washed by the Word and, and receive what the Word says about it as the truth about it instead of what I already think about it. Um, so both the desire and the power together is what grace is about. If you have the power but not the desire, that's like the devil. The devil believes Jesus is the Son of God. He knows Jesus was raised from the dead. And the devil is powerful, but he has no desire to do God's will. That's why the devil can't be saved. On the other hand, if you have the desire to do God's will but not the power, that's incredibly frustrating and depressing. (laughs) Having the desire but not no power to actually do what you want to do, right? To want to follow Jesus and do God's will. But then to keep finding yourself doing the opposite of what you want, that's described in Romans chapter 7, the second half of the chapter. 
If, you do, if you're ever like wrestling with that, wondering why is this happening, uh, guess what? No, no temptation is, has uh, come upon you except what is common to man. And it's described right there in the second half of Romans 7. I'm not, that's not what I'm preaching on today, but um, if you're discouraged today, uh, go look in Romans 7. Second half chapter, it describes exactly what's happening to you. Because it happens to every believer who wrestles with this. And then keep reading. Because Romans 8 is the answer. It's grace. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the power of God. Trusting God instead of yourself. Get your eyes off yourself. Get your eyes on God. Get your eyes off what you want. Get your eyes on what God wants. Boom. Done. Holy Spirit takes over. Grace takes over. Um, Grace gives you both. Desire and power. How many people think that sounds pretty good? Having both desire and power. I I mean, I have been there having desire and no power, and I don't like it. (laughs) I don't like it at all. There's nothing more miserable than a Christian who wants to do God's will and can't. That is a miserable place to be, and I've been there. I know how miserable it is. Um, but, But this is why Paul, at the start of most of his books, prayed for us to have more grace. Over and over and over. Almost every book, he introduces it with this, grace and peace to you, grace and peace to you, grace and peace to you, grace and peace to you. Why does he keep saying that, man? I mean, what are we all sinning so much that we got to have forgiveness all the time? That's, no, that's, that's the point. That's not what he's talking about. Paul himself wanted more grace. I can guarantee you Paul was not going around sinning all the time and needing to be forgiven. Why did he want more grace? I mean, he's the apostle. Why would he need more grace? Well, because everything he's doing is by grace. Everything. So he needs more grace. He wants to be more effective, so he wants more grace. He wouldn't keep saying that in all those epistles if it wasn't really important. Grace is the key to being able to live for God. It's the key. If you need to turn your life over to God today, in order to be able to do that, what you need is grace. Grace. If you're struggling to do the right thing as a Christian, you need grace. If you want to find your purpose and fulfill God's calling on your life, you need grace. If you're frustrated and discouraged today, you need grace. And on the other hand, if you're walking in grace and everything's good, you still need grace because the only reason you're in good shape is God's grace and yesterday's grace doesn't work for today. You need fresh grace every day. And so 1 Peter, most Christians don't realize this book is mainly about grace. It seems to cover a lot of topics. And that verse I mentioned at the beginning of our talk today about the purpose being grace in this book, it doesn't come till the very end. You know, you're reading through this whole book, and, you don't, and not until the very end of the book does it say, hey, this, by the way, in case you didn't realize it, this whole thing's been about grace. It's full of commands to do stuff. You've got to plow through this, this whole book full of commands before you ever get to the verse that explains that. And to most people, commands to do stuff and grace seem like two completely different things. In reality, they're not necessarily different. They can't. I mean, commands are not automatically anything. They're just commands. But they can be empowered and filled with grace or not, depending on how we receive them and how we respond to them. Do you understand? And so God is telling us how to position our heart when we go through this book so that it hits our heart the right way. If we, if we go through it the wrong way, it'll launch us off into, into frustration. But if we come to it with the, with the understanding that God's telling us that we should come to it with, then 
will be empowered. Everything of value in God's kingdom only happens by grace through faith. You, that doesn't mean you can't do anything another way, but it doesn't have any value in the kingdom when you do it another way. Okay? Yeah, you can do all kinds of stuff outside the realm of grace. You can do stuff in your own power, but it's not accepted. If you do it in your own power, God doesn't accept it. So anything I try to just throw up to God and offer to God that I came up with on my own and I did it in my own power, in my own strength, I conceived it, I'm going to do something for God, that's not going to make it into eternity. That stuff is not going to make it into eternity. The only stuff that's making it into eternity is the stuff that was called forth from the Spirit of God that I surrender my heart to Him. I asked Him to empower me. He said, yes, He empowered me. And then I began to walk in it in the power of Jesus Christ, and He walked with me through it. Jesus gets all the glory. It's His grace. That's how it works. Everything about you, everything else is going to burn up. Okay? And um, so what that means is in your Christian life, your motive for what you're doing is God's grace. And your source of power for what you're doing is God's grace. Your motive is God's grace and your source of power is God's grace. So what is grace anyway? We, we talked a little bit about a definition. Most people know we're saved by grace through faith, which is pretty valuable, you know, getting saved. I'm pretty happy that happened in my life. And, and that scripture is in Ephesians 2.8. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. There's so much packed into that, those two verses. And then we'll go to the next verse, uh, verse 10, in just a moment. Uh, it's really a three-verse uh, chunk that is all part of one thought. Uh, but we'll, we'll work on the first two first. We, we know from Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, that grace is not of works, and you can't brag about it, it says, lest anyone should boast. It's not of works, and you can't brag about it. It's a gift of God. <clears throat> gift of God. Important to understand that. Um, I know in, in many churches that I was in as a child, that particular verse was drummed into me over and over again. I didn't quite get it, but I, I did know that this, you know, you're saved by grace through faith. Man, I could quote that. Um, it's a gift of God, but, but the fact that it's a gift doesn't tell us what it is. Okay? The fact that it's a gift doesn't tell us what it is. I get gifts every year at Christmas and on my birthday. They're usually wrapped up. And so knowing it's a gift doesn't tell me what it is. I have to unwrap it. This year... My dad called and asked me what I wanted for my birthday. I said, time. If you could just give me more time, that would be so awesome. I just don't seem to have enough time in a day to get everything done. And then I didn't think any more about it. And then we had our family get together. And part of what we, we were doing in that particular get-together was my birthday. We have like these uh, multi, multi-birthday get-togethers where we have three or four people that are all around the same time. And so we came to my present from my dad. I opened it, and inside was a big bottle of time. T-H-Y-M-E, the spice. And I had forgotten I even had that conversation. It's the best dad joke ever. And I laughed like I couldn't stop laughing because I'm a dad now. So I really appreciate dad jokes in a way I never did before. But anyway... um, To paraphrase Forrest Gump, grace is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Okay, it's a gift, but saying it's a gift doesn't define it. 
open the gift and see what's inside. It's always different. Every day, open the gift of God's grace and see what's inside. He's got fresh grace for you today. It's not, the, it's not what was in the present yesterday. It's a fresh gift today. The Apostle Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. That's 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, in case you're wondering what that reference is. In other words, he, he was an apostle by God's grace. I used to think people like pastors or, or apostles or any kind of like high and mighty title in the kingdom of God, I, I used to think they were some kind of like special person on a pedestal. I mean, really, I used to think that. Like they're a different category of human being from the rest of us. And, and, I, and then God made me a pastor and that like totally blew away all my illusions because now I'm on the inside of a pastor and I'm like, Oh, I'm just like everybody else. I'm just as lame as everybody else, you know, but I, but God gave me grace to do this job and he's got a calling on your life and he's giving you grace to do your job. And he, he had a calling on Paul's life. Paul was just as lame a human being as all the rest of us. God gave him grace to do a job as an apostle. He's not some kind of up on a pedestal human being. He's just, a, he's just an ordinary guy. Any pastor, it, you see some of these really high-powered guys on TV and stuff. They're just ordinary guys. That's why sometimes they fall. It's sad. I, I, you know, that, that breaks my heart when that happens. But it shouldn't, it shouldn't like blow our mind as though this is some bizarre thing because they're just messed up, weak, fallen people like all the rest of us. Um, and what can happen is we disconnect from grace because we get in a position and we start drinking in our position and thinking that defines us and we lose track of what put us in, the, in that position in the first place. If we lose track of it, if we start missing the grace because we're, now we're dodging it because we're like, oh, I'm a pastor now. I'm going to validate myself by like having a, you know, 25,000 member church and, and, you know, hitting a home run every, every time I get up in the pulpit and, and everybody tells me how awesome I am. I'm going to dodge that grace and validate myself. And you dodge it long enough and your flesh starts coming out. You start finding out how sorry a human being you really are. (laughs) And it shouldn't, it shouldn't come as a big shock because we know that Jesus had to die for that guy. That guy was supposed to die and go to hell. Okay. I was supposed to die and go to hell. You were supposed to die and go to hell. But God didn't want that to happen. He sent his son to die for you because he didn't want you to get what you deserve. He wanted you to get something much better, much, much better. He has a better heart for you than that. He has a better desire for you than that. He has no desire for you to get. If, if we got what we deserve, it'd be bad. And God doesn't want it to be bad. He wants it to be good, 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 good. He's got good desires for you. It says in uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts I have for you. And thoughts to give you a hope and a future, to bless you, not to curse you. That's his heart. That's who God is. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't an anomaly. That's who God is. You look at yourself, you go, man, I messed up. I'm sure glad God had plan B, you know, to kill his son at the last minute and save me from the big mess I made. Uh Uh-uh. He's the lamb slain from before the foundation of the earth. That's God's nature, is grace. It's the foundation of everything. It's, his, it's, his, it's who he is. 
God is love. God is the reservoir of kindness and generosity in the universe that allows us to go forward at all. It allows me to get out of bed in the morning, get up and go do something where, where I could be just crushed by my limitations and inabilities and the insecurities of the future that I don't know what's going to happen. You know what? I don't know what's going to happen, but I know one thing. It's going to be good because God's got me. If he didn't withhold his son, he won't withhold anything. Everything of value in God's kingdom only happens by grace through faith. Our mission at Hill City Church, we said it during the announcements today, our mission at Hill City Church is to know Christ, discover purpose, and impact lives for eternity. That second part about discovering your purpose is a really big deal. You have a purpose. You know, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But then it goes on to say in verse 10, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, it says you didn't get God's grace by working for it, but God's grace resulted in a new creation in which the purpose for why you were created is so that you can do good works. In other words, your good works are not the source. Your good works are the result there's good works here. First Peter's full of them. But they're not where you don't start on the good works. You start on the grace. And the good works flow out of grace. Yes. Every human being has a purpose that God graciously conceived for you before you were ever born. It's the thing that you were made to do. And we're all different. So it's different for all of us. And we, we don't really discover what it is in particular until we come to Jesus and get born again and start following him and start surrendering to him and start discovering what his will is for me in particular, for you in particular. And we start experiencing how powerful it is to live for the thing God made me to do. It's very, very powerful. It's thrilling. It's amazing. When you get on the track of God's will for your life, and you discover God's will for me isn't to like ruin my life. God's will for me in particular isn't for me to go uh, become a missionary in Africa, live in a dirt floor hut with no air conditioning and be surrounded by flies and talk to people that don't speak English. You know, that, there, some people, that's like awesome. That's what they're wired to do. That's what they want to do. And that's awesome. But like sometimes we fear the worst if I surrender to God and let him have my life. And it's like, no, no, God has a purpose for you that's designed for you. It's going to fit you. You're going to love it. That's what you were made to do. It's an example of grace. God prepared good things for you to walk in before you were ever born. And now we get to open the gift and find out what's inside. Now, why is it so important to God for us to understand this? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but a really big reason is so whatever we're doing for God, we don't get a big head about it. One of the reasons for God's grace, it says in Ephesians 2.9, is so no one will boast. There's a difference between taking pleasure in doing what you were made to do, which is good. You should do that. You should enjoy what God made you to do. Take pleasure in what God made you to do. He wants you to take, you know, it's like God matched up 
how you're formed and what he called you to do on purpose, knowing that it would give you pleasure to do it. So he's like totally in favor of that. Uh, But there's a difference between that, which is good, versus trying to validate yourself through what you do. Trying to say that I I only really find meaning and value as a person by doing certain things really well. And in that way, I can prove to people that I matter and validating myself like that. That's, that's a big fail. <laughs> but it's a longing that in our hearts until we allow God to break that off of us and we begin to see this clearly through the lens of grace. I talk a lot about looking at God's word through grace-colored glasses. The way you interpret this book, a lot depends on how you're looking at it, what you're filtering it through. And we need to see it through the lens of God's grace. And that's the only way we're really going to understand it. Um, if I am worried about trying to validate myself, and let's say you're worried about trying to validate your sir, yourself, and then that guy over there is worried about trying to validate himself. So we've got a whole room full of people, and everybody is focused on trying to validate themselves. Then what that really looks like is... is Everybody now is in competition with each other to try to validate themselves. And you see then envy, you see resentment, you see fighting, you see striving, you see rubbing up against each other and butting heads over, but that's my validation. And why are we talking about you? We need to be talking about me. Okay? And that is like a fractured, dysfunctional kind of of church or spirit, it's, you, you can't even call it a spiritual assembly. It's a messed up assembly. And yet there are groups of people thinking that they're doing it that way and they're thinking that this is how it works. And it's not how it's supposed to work. That's like totally dysfunctional. Almost like a, you know, TV is covered with all these reality shows, right? Just the Christian version of that where everybody's like, Okay, are you going to get fired this week? Or, you know, are you going to be the star? Are you going to win? Are you the last guy left on the island or whatever it is? Um, When we connect everything to God's grace and through grace walking in God's will for your life, it's a lot easier to appreciate what God's doing through every member of the body. Because we're not competing with each other. No one has to prove anything because Jesus already did that for all of us. Um, And so we see that God has this concern that our Christian faith doesn't turn into some kind of competition. That's in 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to close in just a minute, but I just want to cover this really quickly. Um, In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Okay, laying aside this competitive spirit and the envy, the bitter envy of each other, if you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. It's only when we see God's kindness, how gracious he is, that it becomes possible to eliminate envy. See, as as human beings, we're naturally competitive. And there's a good side to being competitive. It motivates us to do our best. You know, when our kids were young, sometimes it was hard to motivate them to clean up their playroom. Uh, But we have a lot of kids, and the two oldest are girls, the five youngest are boys. And out of all the things we ever did to motivate them, the most powerful motivator was boys against girls. 
It was just powerful. I don't know why. They'd be going so slow. They'd spend an hour doing a five-minute job, totally demotivated. And all I had to do was say, looks like the girls are faster than the boys. And boom, the guys would just like go crazy. I mean, literally go crazy. Throwing stuff in the toy box as fast as they could. And then I just go to the girls and go, well, now it looks like the boys are faster. And boom, you better get out of their way now because they're going to literally run over you. And, and what, what was a five-minute job now turns into 60 seconds with some bruises. <laughs> the thing is, God doesn't want the bruises. He wants us to see that he is gracious. And, and that's really the main ingredient of God's grace is that God is gracious. If you think about anyone you've ever known who was gracious, what were they like? Well, weren't they kind and generous and willing to bear with you and patient and caring about you, making sure you're doing good? Gracious. When you begin to see that's who God is, it lets you step down. You realize God's got my back. I don't have to, I don't, this is not a do-it-yourself project. God's on this. When Jesus died on the cross, that was grace, but it wasn't all of God's grace. It's just the start of God's grace. If God didn't withhold his son, he won't withhold anything from you. And so, so one last thing I want to mention about grace, and then we'll close. Grace is about my inability and God's ability. It's about my inability and God's ability. When I understand that, it's okay for me to be unable. It's okay for me to be broken and weak. Because that's what grace is about. It's okay for me to not be able. Whatever you're frustrated with today over you not being able, God wants to set you free from that frustration by focusing your attention on the one who is able. Your inability is not a reason to despair. See, I used to despair over my inability. I was fighting against a fundamental constant of nature and upset about it. <laughs> you can't change that. Your inability is not a reason to despair. It's an open door for God's grace. That's why he gives grace to the humble. What's what kind of humility is he calling for you? He's just simply calling for you to recognize the truth and admit to it so he can minister to the, what's lacking with the power of his grace. It's not like a qualification thing to humble yourself. It's a, it's a coming to terms with the truth kind of thing. Just come to terms with the truth and it opens the door and God's like, I've been waiting for you to admit the truth so I can take care of it. The first step to healing is admitting the truth. Right? That's what God's grace is about. You can't do it, but God can. And he's giving you that power by the Holy Spirit. And, and, and here's the corollary to that is faith. Faith is just when I trust God instead of myself. You see how that's connected to, the, to what grace is about? I mean, if I can't do it and God wants to give me grace by providing his power instead, then why would I trust myself? Why wouldn't I trust God instead of myself? So 
That is why we say everything of value in God's kingdom only happens by grace through faith. Grace is the truth that I can't do it, but God can. And faith is my confidence that causes me to believe the truth of grace, the truth that I can't do it, but God can. And I begin to trust. I I begin to take the natural step of trusting God instead of myself. I recognize I can't do it, but God can, and he wants to. And then I begin to trust that about God. That's when faith enters the picture. And when I begin to trust that, that releases that power to begin to take uh, effect in my heart and in my life. Let's stand up. Guys, we are family. And so when I call you guys forward because our prayer teams are here, that's really just... This is a family meeting. Every time we get together, it's a family meeting. And God wants to just move you guys forward in the next step of your life in God. Because we're talking about grace. God wants to give you more grace. And he wants to, uh, he wants to move in your heart and empower you by grace to be able to trust him instead of yourself. And so we want to invite you. We want to pray with you. And, and walk with you in that next step of your walk with Christ. Whatever it is, if you're here today and you have never said yes to Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, that's a step right there of saying yes to His grace, saying, I want to trust you instead of myself. I, I want to take that first step of trusting you instead of myself. Right? It's a, the first time you do it is when you say yes to the fact that Jesus wants to make you new. It's like, I can't do it. Yeah, that's right, but Jesus can, and he's going to, boom, he's going to change you if you'll just surrender to the truth of his grace. If you'll surrender to the truth of his graciousness in going to the cross for you because he knew you couldn't do it, he knew there needed to be a death, and he decided to die for you so that he could make you alive in him and start empowering you on a, on a fresh new pathway in him. So we're here to pray for you. I'm going to close right now in prayer, but um, these guys are just here to, to walk with you through that process. Let the grace of God take control in your life. Don't fight anymore trying to validate yourself. Focus on God instead of yourself. And he will do it. I guarantee you, he will do it. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Thank you uh, that you really care. You really care. And you've got our back. And your, your desire for us, Lord, is for good things, not for bad things, for hope and a future. And, um, and so we just say yes to that, Lord. Uh, this morning, we, we say yes to your grace. We say yes uh, to your power, to your kindness and your generosity. The desire you have, Lord, to fill up all our inadequacies with your power and your ability. To even give us the desire in the places where we don't have that desire, Lord. It, it's all part of, of your grace. So we want to say yes to your grace this morning, Lord. Knowing that it's all by the power and the ability of Jesus Christ. It's, it's the outflow of what he accomplished on the cross for us. We give him all the glory, all the power, all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen.